right, well, hello everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Max Podcast. My name is Steve Shaver, and I'm the manager of service training for Max, the Mobile Air Climate Systems Association. And today I'm joined with Peter Cole, who's the president and COO of the association. Hello, Peter. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you? Very good. Outstanding. Uh, so for today's podcast, I'd like to discuss a topic that's becoming more important here in the U.S., and that's PFAS. Mm. Uh, this has been an important topic in Europe for a number of years, uh, but it hasn't really been too much of a concern for us here in North America. Uh, that is until the White House issued a statement uh, back in March, and the EPA issued an ANPRM, so an Advanced Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, just last month. Uh, so my question to you, Peter, is first of all, what is PFAS, <laughs> uh, and what are some of the main concerns that you're hearing about? So, Steve, if, you, uh, if you'd kindly click there. Bring up the website there on you go. PFAS. Yeah, let's look at Europe. So PFAS stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Um, basically, almost any synthetic chemical not, not everyone, but many, many, many synthetic chemicals that are commonly used either raw by themselves, like uh, refrigerant in some cases, or um, as a component to make something else that could make a plastic, that could make a nylon, that could make um, you know, any other uh, component that we use that's not maybe steel. Right. Yeah, I actually heard that it's the material that goes into making the fibers of clothes and right. makes thread. And I mean, right. even the foam that this microphone air shield is made out of, it's all my watch band, it's all has PFAS in it. That, right, in theory. In right. theory. Right. And um, if you've ever taken notice, I guess, if you were born after this past Tuesday, you've probably <laughs> seen the uh, California warning on the outside of packaging, where it says um, this substance is known to the state of California to potentially cause cancer or something like that. Yeah, that sticker that's like, it's on everything now. It's on auto parts boxes. It's right. probably on the bottom of this mouse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for California. And, and while it's not the same as PFAS, it's that type of proliferation proliferation yes. <laughs> um, of substances. And, um, and it's a growing concern. It's a growing concern, particularly in the automotive market, because so much of an automobile is made up of various synthetic chemicals in some way, shape, or form. And again, it's not just the raw chemical. It's if a raw chemical is used to manufacture a part, then that part becomes a problem. Okay. And... Um, so even like a dashboard itself could be the problem because there's a PFAS that goes into it. That's correct. Okay. It was used to manufacture it. So or it could be the, a plastic bumper. It could be wheel covers. Right. And hoses. In, in some cases, refrigerants. Or refrigerants. But one of the things that's undetermined yet is there's a list of thousands of chemicals that are potentially going to be classified as a PFAS. However, what we don't know is what that chemical list will look like when it's all said and done. Because one of the things that a PFAS has to have is it has to be persistent. And 
that's, there, there's debate about what that means. Um, uh, if you take the case of uh, refrigerants as an example, um, the question is, are they dilutable? Can you dilute them with water? Can you dilute that PFAS with water? Is the PFAS really referring to something like TFA or trifluoroacetic acid? And is there another source of that chemical that's not from the refrigerant? Is it naturally occurring? So you have different PFASs and you have different impacts of those PFASs. And also, again, different definitions. We don't know what's going to be classified yet. So I, I, you know, I'm sure this list is um, forever long. If you look there, it's the proposal to ban forever chemicals. Um, and, oh boy, yeah. So here's a list. Uh, it says here these entries were added to the candidate list in January 2023. Right. And but this candidate list is is just huge. Um, I think there's a list there somewhere. Candidate list of SVHCs for authorization. Right. Substances of very high concern. And, and that, that is because they haven't been classified yet, but they're very concerned huh. about those. So five pages, 50 items per page. But, that's, but the list is even much greater because this is the very high concern list. Oh, this is just the ones they're most concerned this about. This is just the ones that, that they're like, yeah, these are really a problem. Not, the, not all of the ones yeah. that they're concerned about. No, no. And um, so there's a lot to be learned on this topic. Um, there are experts, there are MAX members who are very, very good experts. We hope to, to maybe have one of those folks join us. Invite them point. to our podcast. But we wanted to touch on this topic and we wanted to kind of tell you what else is going on. So... Back uh, in the 1980s into the early 90s, we determined that there was uh, the ozone depletion problem for R12. And we didn't know that. Then we determined that it was an issue, so we got rid of R12. So we brought in 134A. And we've, you'll hear this is a repeating theme over and over again. So we bring in 134A, and then 134A is around everything, but he's you know, as they say, fat, dumb, and happy. Right, and we thought 134A was the answer to solve all our problems. Exactly, and then we found this thing called global warming potential, or GWP, and they said, ooh, you know what, Ew, GWP, this isn't great. So we decided we're gonna move away from um, 134A, and they started that in Europe back in 2006, and we went to YF. So now we've had YF, for, uh, you know, we kind of debate the timing, but here in the U.S., we'll say 2011 was kind of the start. Really, the mix was like 2015, 2015. was kind of when it really kicked in. So we're like eight years. We're like eight years yeah. in now. Maybe know, nine. Nine, nine model nine years. Model years. Yeah, eight, uh, eight, eight physical years. And um, any rules that we have concerning this will likely be out another, say, seven eight, 10 years, something like that, as you know, as they, they look to change things. Because you can't just get rid of everything at one shot, especially when you're not telling people what's a problem or what's not a problem or when there's still debate. The right. list isn't final, as they say. Um, so at some point, we'll be looking potentially for a different refrigerant down the line. 
potentially yeah. because of this PFAS issue. Because of the PFAS issue, that's correct. Right. So do you know if, are they classifying YF as a PFAS as it is a YF, or is it the feedstock chemicals that go into manufacturing YF, or is it the product of YF after it degrades in the atmosphere that's a PFAS, or, or all three? Uh, you know, I don't know the specific answer to that, um, but I know that the folks who are involved in 1234YF have some concern that 1234YF may be banned as a, because it's considered a PFAS. Right. In Europe right now. In Europe. Right. In Europe. Not in whether, the U.S. Whether that's because stuff that makes it is classified as a PFAS um, or that YF itself is. And again, this is not a done deal. No, we don't know yet. Still working on it. It's a hot topic, as they say. Right. A lot of people working on it. Um, at the end of the day, um, there's going to have to be some form of compromise along the way because if if they were to just take the list as it is, including YF, including YF, right? But you know, the list, the proposed list, the candidate list for PFAS substances, um, you'd no longer be able to have a car. Right, you wouldn't be able to manufacture the belts that for the engine belts. <laughs> right, or the plastic that you or know, the goes belts. in the shrouds that you know, surround the wheel wells or anything like that, and you know, potentially wouldn't have air conditioning, or at least not air conditioning as we know it today. So again, this isn't about panic, but this is just about information. And as I said, we had ODP, ozone depletion potential, global warming potential. Now, kind of the newest one is PFAS. PFAS. Yeah. And um, particularly surrounding 1234YF, I think one of the PFAS problems, and again, we were learning along the way, along with many other people, um, but is the TFA issue. So 1234YF, uh, goes in the atmosphere, stays in the atmosphere for 11 or 12 days, something like that. And then when it comes out of the atmosphere, it comes down as uh, TFA, trifluoroacetic acid. Um, some people have correlated that to acid rain. Well, it's not really like acid rain because TFA is naturally occurring as well. We aren't quite sure how much would be attributed to YF versus how much would be attributed to naturally occurring. But it's things like the TFA that cause something like YF to be considered a PFAS. Okay. Because everything else might go away in the atmosphere, but the TFA doesn't. The TFA stays. Although it can be diluted by water, which happens to be the most plentiful substance on Earth, although maybe air or nitrogen is a little more plentiful, but uh, of all those type of diluting things, uh, water is one of the biggest. Water would be would be a huge one there. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason we're talking about this is is partly about Europe, but if you look at um, back from our podcast episode two, we talked about the 150 GWP rule. And the 150 GWP rule started in 2006 in Europe and you know, was implemented in between 2011 and 2017 in Europe or related to refrigerants. And now the U.S. last fall 
uh, announced a notice of proposed rulemaking for GWP 150. So what happens in Europe tends to find its way here. Right. So this is a, a relatively serious concern in Europe across the board for many, many industries. And now that we've gotten an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, which by the way, as I read that advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, it doesn't include anything about um, refrigerants or, yeah. the, or the stuff that impacts us, in, at least in the automotive space. But that doesn't mean that it won't later. Yeah, and that's actually a good uh, segue into what the U.S. is doing. Yeah. So, you know, when I did my first search on this, uh, you know, we found uh, the White House had put out a fact sheet mm -hmm. back in March. Uh, Biden-Harris administration uh, to take new action to protect communities from PFAS uh, pollution. Uh, so basically what they're doing is the administration is looking to the EPA to implement some of these new uh, the wish list, mm -hmm. uh, these new rules that they want to put out. Um, but my quick read over this is they're really going after uh, drinking water. And I guess kind of like because of what you said, some of these PFAS chemicals that are out there, they get diluted into water. Right. They dilute into also into the air. They mm -hmm. probably dilute into you know carpets and dirt and whatnot. But I guess because it gets into the water and then we drink that, then it gets into our bodies. So they're that's a concern. Sure. Right. Sure. I think if you read this right where it is, right where you are, it says PFAS or forever chemicals are a set of human-made chemicals, synthetic, that can cause cancer and other severe health problems. Found in air, drinking water, and our food supply, PFAS pollution disproportionately affects disadvantaged communities and poses a serious threat across rural, suburban, and urban areas. There was a story on one of the news channels. Um, I think it was last week, that uh, talked about farmland and um, that the sludge, I guess, that's created in a wastewater treatment plant, and, and I'm not very familiar with wastewater treatment, but um, was being spread for years over um, fields, farm fields, and considered, I guess, to be some form of fertilizer. Oh, really? But that that sludge contained PFAS chemicals and the PFAS chemicals were still present and were present not only in the soil, but also in the fruits of the soil, the crops. And then subsequently in the bloodstream of the residents and at a higher level than one might have expected in a normal person, I guess. Yeah. And they think it's because it went from the sludge and the wastewater treatment to a soil enrichment chemical to the crops, which then they ate, and then, you know. Now, I can't tell you that they're seeing any health problems from that, I, I just don't know. But the concern is that it's persistent, right. that it doesn't go away. It isn't, um, it isn't something like, um, I don't know, you know what happens when you take too much salt? Because, you know, have I ever told you that a corn on the cob is nothing more than a holder for butter and salt? Holder of butter and salt, right? yeah. That's, I mean, that's its entire purpose. Yeah. So if you take too much salt, what happens is your body tends to retain water. And so, um, you know, you can get weight gain because your body's retaining water. 
And so this is kind of the same thing that these PFAS chemicals, they kind of get in there and then they don't leave. Right, where the, where the salt, you would sweat that out. Right, or, you sweat it you know, out. Just right. regular and, bodily right. functions. And it will go. You'll wash the right, salt over, out. Over time. Right. It can build up for a little while, but then it'll go over time. But these just kind of build up and build up. And um, Yeah, and there's actually, um, so if we go from the Biden administration, you know, uh, basically putting out a fact sheet to where they are asking EPA to take action on PFAS, mm -hmm. and then we look at what the EPA is actually doing. Um, you know, most of what they're doing right now is uh, data collection mm -hmm. and studies, and they're also doing uh, industry engagement. Yep. So basically stakeholder meetings, mm -hmm. trying to learn what they can about these PFAS uh, materials. Um, but one of them is uh, doing studies on groups so the one that I came across on the website was uh, military personnel because they go through regular health checkups as part sure. of their service and uh, they do blood tests. Mm -hmm. So they're monitoring service personnel's blood to make measurements on PFAS contamination. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what we know is we know, we've seen a list, um, a list of refrigerants that may or may not be classified as PFAS or at least are on the initial list of chemicals of concern. Yeah. Um, 1234YF was on that list. Um, but there are certain things that are naturally occurring that were not on that list. And two of those are carbon dioxide. Right. And another one is uh, propane, or R290. And both of which are considered to be effective refrigerants. Both so, of which have their own set of challenges but certainly are refrigerant candidates. And I would imagine that um, that group of hydrocarbon refrigerants that are refrigerants, right? Hydrocarbon materials that are refrigerants of propane. Or that act as refrigerants. Act as refrigerants. Right. Uh, that would include other ANES, I mean like uh, uh, isobutane, sure. butane itself. Correct. Right, and, and other right. forms of the hydrocarbon. Right. Yeah, things yeah. that are naturally occurring, naturally or at occurring. least made from naturally occurring as opposed to synthetic. Right. And so, you know, that's brought up a, a whole bunch of questions that, you know, the what if. What if someone determines that 1234YF were not to be allowed to be used at some distant point in the future? So if, if a PFAS rule were to really go through in Europe, say, 2029. Right. Or, yeah, some kind take, of restriction. To, Maybe to the rule goes in through in, yeah, 2025 and... And it's effective five or ten years later or something, and it maybe it affects refrigerants or whatever. Yeah. So one of the things that, that's happening is where we, I say we, um, SAE, other industry stakeholders are looking and saying, what if? So what's the possibility? What would we do if? And, um, and certainly propane is, is, well, it's got its own challenges, and I recognize that as much as anybody. Um, that uh, that is a possibility. CO two is a possibility, and and some of the folks in the industry have actually brought forth refrigerants which they claim, and I, I assume they they know. I have no reason to dispute that. That are non PFAS alternatives, um, which uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Not every synthetic chemical is a PFAS. There are a lot of them, but not every one. So there are certain things that would not fall into that category.
either because um, there's limits on PFASs. It has to put out a minimum of X kind of bad stuff, and this falls below the bad stuff, or because it has no bad stuff, or at least the folks in Europe haven't identified what it puts out as bad stuff yet. Ergo, ozone depletion potential, global warming potential, PFAS, who knows what the next shoe's gonna drop there. Right, that's exactly when you're saying that. I'm thinking there may be a GWP limit, or whatever they're gonna call it, a PFAS limit or a PFAS bad stuff limit yeah. that they'll assign to these different chemicals. Right. Because, like you said, I mean, if they were to take the list as is and implement that as the new role, I mean, literally, you couldn't even paint a car because right. the paint itself is a PFAS, right? Right, or the hardener is a PFAS, right, right. or the, the solvent. Right. So, and I think that's really what's going to happen. I think that they're going to go back and they're going to look at either various applications or they're going to dissect this list a little more through the comments that are being collected on the EU rule, and they will make some determinations as to. Um, which chemicals they want to deal with immediately, which chemicals they want to kind of punt, kick down the road, kick the can down the road, as they say, and which chemicals they'll review at some point in the future. And I think from an industry perspective, we're kind of looking at the best case scenario is, hey, let's just rule out some of these refrigerants and say that they're not PFAS things. We don't even need to look at them in the future. Maybe the next base, best scenario is, Certainly not in the first round, and it's not something we're going to keep an eye on, but we're going to review this list every 10 years, and we'll get back to you, but for 10 years, you're good, and we don't even have any plans thereafter other than to take a look at you again. Right. Um, so I don't think any of us really know, um, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll, one of the things that, that will be very interesting is if they do make some rules related to refrigerants in Europe, and let's assume that one of the predominant refrigerants were to be caught up in that rule, um, there's going to be certain places where you're not going to have air conditioning in your car. And there's going to be certain places where you're not going to have air conditioning at all, uh, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your apartment, wherever it might be. Because you have to remember, if they're going to kind of capture some of the automotive refrigerants in there, then you know they're going to capture some of the commercial industrial refrigerants. Right, the stuff you use in residential or in office Correct. buildings and stuff. Right, and, and depending on how long they give people to come up with changes, um, you know, that could be a real problem. Right. Uh, especially in certain parts of the world. So you're thinking maybe that, not to pick on Europe, but since they're the ones driving this, right, maybe one of those European nations may decide themselves, maybe not as Europe, Europe as a whole, but maybe one single or a couple of nations, they would decide to put forth a PFAS rule at home that said all these chemicals are off the table. So then they would no longer have cars with air conditioning being sent to their country. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, well, I don't know that that's likely to happen. I think that's about the only other scenario that can happen. I don't think in Europe that they can kind of, that European Parliament can pass a rule and then someone can say, yeah, but it doesn't apply to us. I think European Parliament can pass a rule 
and then a country could say, you know what, we appreciate that you want to ban XYZ chemical in 2030. We want to ban it in 2025. So in our country, you cannot use it in 2025. Okay. I think that, that that's, again, I don't think it's super likely, but I think that's certainly possible. I don't think that they can go the other way around, which is, eh, we don't like your rule, we're going to... Where the countries would opt out. out. Oh, right, we're going to opt out of that. But we don't live in Europe. Right. Um, we don't hang out in Brussels. Right. <laughs> um, although I'm told it's a beautiful place. But we have friends that do. We do have friends that do. Right. And, and, and we'll get uh, some more expert opinion, but we thought this was kind of an um, interesting thing to talk about um, and, and relate it back to that label, the California label that you see on every product and um, kind of give you an idea of the persistence of the PFAS problem because just about everything you pick up that is, has some relationship to California has that label. Right. And just about everything you pick up could potentially be classified in some way, shape, or form as PFAS. As a PFAS. As right. a PFAS, yep, right. exactly. And like you say, I mean, even though Europe regs don't have you know, law over us, they don't have jurisdiction over us, mm -hmm. what the Europeans do, the Americans will follow, or at least the American manufacturers are going to have to comply implement. with. Comply yeah, with, that, right? That's really the issue is, um, you know, if there's, uh, if, if a particular car company, and, you know, we, we want to be real careful we, we're not, right. that we're not picking right. on We're one, not picking right? on any company. We're, we're not. Right. You know, we, we don't. So yeah. we're not even going to name names. But if any given car company wants to sell a vehicle in Europe today, that vehicle cannot have 134A. Right. In the air conditioning system. It's just not allowed. Um, but you can still have it here in the U.S. Right. No, not many do. But one of the reasons not many do is because so many of them sell cars over there and they're like, oh, we had to change for over there. We might as well change here. And they, they got some cafe credits and so forth. So that kind of just leads us to um, folks here will sometimes make changes not because they have to in the U.S., but because other parts of the world require it and they're allowed to in the U.S. Right. And so instead of, you know, making blue ones for the U.S. and red ones for Europe, they'll, because they're not allowed to have blue ones, yeah. um, they'll say, you know what, we're going to make purple ones for everybody. And gets us right through the rule. Right. So. All right, cool. Well, uh, I look forward to inviting some of our friends that are more, have more depth of knowledge in PFAS to join us for a webinar. Yep. Uh, maybe we'll have them join us here at Max. Maybe we'll join them when we go to uh, one of our future meetings, or maybe we'll have them right here on the screen that we can talk so to. So if, if any of them are watching, and, and maybe your home base is in not far from us, maybe in the northern, maybe Wilmington, Delaware area. <laughs> or maybe or, Central Jersey. Or, or Central Jersey, <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe if you're located uh, an hour and a half outside of Detroit and you happen to know a little bit about this topic, or um, you know, maybe if your origins are the Ukraine, Right. And your first name starts with Ivan. Um, <laughs> reach out. You know how to find us. Give us a call. Yep. I think you, you know who you're talking about. Uh, talking there, or maybe somebody who lives in Houston. That would be an interesting. That would be an interesting conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. For one of our good friends who, uh, who works for a UK company and lives in Houston. Yeah. But uh, we we invite you all. Um, we we look forward to having that discussion and learning more 
Um, again, we're not experts. We're not, we're not going to pretend to be experts, but it was a subject that has come out there. And if we've made any mistakes, we certainly apologize. And we, we look forward to your comments and questions. We look forward to you correcting us because uh, we certainly know that we don't, we know we don't know what we don't know. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please give a thumbs up. And also, please subscribe to get notified of future episodes. My name is Steve Shaver. And I'm Peter Call. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast is a production of Max, the Mobile Air Climate Systems Association. Max is the nonprofit trade association for the mobile air conditioning industry, representing manufacturers, Tier 1 suppliers, tool and equipment providers, parts distributors, and of course, service shops, owners, and technicians. Max is a membership-driven organization serving the industry through training, education, advocacy, government relations, standards writing, and EPA Section 609 certification. If you'd like to learn more about Max, please visit us on our website www.maxmobileairclimate.org where you can join Max as a member. This podcast was produced by me, Steve Shaber, executive produced by Melissa Pizarro and Pam Smith, and hosted by Steve Shaber and Peter Cole. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give a thumbs up and please subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Thanks for listening.